All right. Good evening, everyone. Let let us let us begin. So I want to welcome everyone again to our to our second week, Bar Hashem of our Women's Share of our Tehillim and Torah series. I would like to thank the Engelsberg, Dinovitzer, and Steinberg families for sponsoring all of the shiurim during this first, we'll call it semester of the shiur. Le'iloi nishmas and le'zecha nishmas harav Yitzchak David ben Meir Arye zichron levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, his Neshama will have an Aliyah and his family a Nechama. Thank you for the sponsorship. So we're going to continue Merit Hashem this week in Perek Hey. So we're going to focus, so just a little bit of, of a recap, a little bit of a recap. The recap was that last week we began the fifth chapter of Sefer Tehillim. We gave a little bit of a background in general about the profundity and meaning of Sefer Tehillim and how Sefer Tehillim is not just simply a book of supplication or a book of prayer, but is really a window into the life of David HaMelech and is really in a window into the challenges of David HaMelech. And why do we learn Sefer Tehillim? Because any challenge you're going to encounter in life, David HaMelech encountered it. And the incredible part is not only did he encounter it, but he persevered. Not only did he persevere, but he continued to thrive. And as such, Tehillim becomes very much the playbook for life. That no matter what I'm going to encounter, Tehillim gives me the strategy to somehow deal with it and overcome it. So in Kapitol Hay, we spoke, we spent the entire show last week speaking about the Nechilos, that there is a path for every plan, or better stated, a plan for every path. We developed this idea, and we spoke about that the theme of the capital, and this is very important, the overarching theme of the capital is David HaMelech facing adversity. I, I think I mentioned last week, the truth is that is, the top, that is really the theme of most of Sefer Tehillim. David HaMelech facing some type of adversity. If you remember again, Rashi in last week's shir spoke about the idea that the adversity that David HaMelech was facing in this particular capital was from internal enemies. Right, from enemies from within. David HaMelech had two sets of enemies. External enemies, waging, warring nations who surrounded the borders of Eretz Yisrael. Remember, it's not a new thing that Eretz Yisrael is surrounded by hostile neighbors. This has been the reality since the beginning of time. It's been the reality since the beginning that, it, that Am Yisrael first went into Eretz Yisrael. Remember again, when there's no red carpet that's rolled out for us Eretz Yisrael, it's war, it's battle, it's struggle. David HaMelech has those enemies, but in this particular capital, David HaMelech is really focusing on the internal enemies. We'll speak more about those internal enemies in coming Shuram, but what I want to draw your attention to tonight, we're going to focus on one Pasuk tonight, and that's Pasuk Ches. David HaMelech writes, verse 8, source number 1, Pasuk Ches, verse 8, Va'ani, berov chastecha avo beisecha, eshtachava elechal kotshecha beirasecha. So literally translated, Va'ani, and for me, or but I, Berov Chastecha, with your great loving kindness, Avobeisecha, I shall enter your house, Eshtachava Elechal Kotshecha, I will literally bow down and prostrate myself towards your holy temple, Birasecha, with fear of you. So already we know that David Amalekh is trying to convey a deeper message. How do we know? The Pasik obviously cannot be understood literally. Why not? Because he never had the opportunity to enter into the Beis HaMikdash, right? We spoke about this last week as well. Feels like we covered everything last week. Baruch Hashem. Good. Right, so we spoke about this last week also that David HaMelech yearned so badly to be able to build the Beis HaMikdash. So much of Sefer Tehillim is filled with that pining and that yearning to enter, to build the Beis HaMikdash. So when David HaMelech says, Avo Beisecha, I'm going to come to your home, I'm going to bow down prostrate in your temple, it's obviously talking about something different. Remember again, just we know historically, what, what, what was in existence during times of David HaMelech? For example, where was the Aron? Where was the Ark kept? Right? Where? In the Mishkan. Right, but remember, in the times of David HaMelech, was there even a real formal Mishkan? No. There's not really even a Mishkan anymore. What there is, is we call it a Mishkan. There was a tent. There was a tent. Part of the reason that David HaMelech felt such guilt about not building a base HaMikdash was because he built for himself a beautiful palatial estate 
in Yerushalayim. Remember, David HaMelech was the first Jewish leader to conquer Yerushalayim. When Yoshua came in and they did the kibosh, they did, they did not conquer Yerushalayim for a variety of reasons. Yerushalayim was the stronghold of the Yavusi. It was David HaMelech who went out and conquered Yerushalayim. Remember again, how does David HaMelech conquer Yerushalayim? If you ever do the Ir David tunnel tours, right, the water tunnels, those are the tunnels that David HaMelech entered in order to conquer the city. Yerushalayim was a fortified city. You could not breach the walls. You couldn't get over the walls. So they went under the walls. David HaMelech conquers Yerushalayim, builds a beautiful estate, and he's, he's pained by the incredible guilt that here I'm living in this beautiful home. And the Ribbon Shalom has a tent. He has a tent. I'm sure it was a very nice tent, but it was still a tent. So obviously, David HaMelech is not literally saying that he's going into the Beis HaMikdash. Because there is no Beis HaMikdash. So what is the message that David is trying to convey? So first of all, Rashi comes along in number two. And Rashi says, V'ani, avo beisecha, lahodos lecha, berav chastecha, shefleisa aleinu laharosinu nikama mehem. So first thing David HaMelech says is, sometimes, and when we find this, the truth is we find this really throughout the Sefer Tillim, when David HaMelech speaks about coming into the home of God, to the palace of God, sometimes that's just a metaphor for closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, what Rashi says over here, Beisecha, your home, Hechal Kachicha, do not refer to physical structures. Instead, they really refer to metaphysical structures, a sense of closeness. So David HaMelech, and this is incredibly poignant and incredibly beautiful, because remember, David HaMelech in the beginning of this capital is talking about how he's crying out to God with difficulty. He's crying out to God in pain. My enemies have besieged me. And now Pasuk Rashi says, David HaMelech says, B'Kosh Baruch I'm confident that I'm going to come and bow down to you. And Rashi says, what does that mean? David HaMelech is confident that he is going to overcome adversity. He is confident that things are going to be okay. Now, I want to show you something absolutely amazing. Because Yaposikhes, now you'll, you'll, just, you'll just peruse on your own. You'll see Pesukim Tess through Yud Gimel. The theme once again deals with adversity. So look at the structure of this capital. You have Psukim Aleph through Ches or Aleph through Zayin, which highlight the difficulty, the challenge, the adversity. Pasuk Ches, where David HaMelech says, I'm going to come and bow down to you. I'm going to come and be close to you, which represents again a closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Success, success. I'm going to overcome this. And then Psukim Tes through Yud Gimel speak about adversity again. And here, David HaMelech tells us and teaches us such a profound lesson, which is that when you find yourself in the midst of adversity, one must constantly remind themselves and reinforce within themselves, it is going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Va'ani, David HaMelech kind of like stills himself, berov chastecha avo beisecha. I will emerge from this. I will get out of this. I will survive this. Because what David HaMelech is teaching us is that often when we encounter life adversity and intense adversity, it is natural and normal to feel this is the end. This, this, this is just, it's the end of the road. This is it. My life is, I don't mean to say like it, my life is over, but you know, the simcha is not going to be there. The joy is not going to be there. The happiness is not going to be there. It's just going to be struggle after struggle after struggle. And David HaMelech teaches us that sometimes when you're in the midst of a difficult time, you have to reassure yourself that things are going to be okay. Now you say to yourself, yeah, but how do you know? How do you know things are going to be okay? And the answer is, you don't. But what's the alternative? Right? So you could say life is going to be miserable. And remember, people who say life is going to be miserable, clinical tests have shown that people who say that life is going to be miserable, guess what happens in their life? Incredible. It's miserable. Why? Because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If life is terrible, if life is terrible, then life will be terrible. But if life is incredibly difficult, but you go ahead and you constantly reinforce within yourself, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, that phrase, it's going to be okay, is really important. Because it's going to be okay 
doesn't mean it's going to be like it was. It's going to be okay doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. It's going to be okay doesn't mean that one morning I'm going to wake up, it was all a bad dream and my life is a fairy tale. That's not what it's going to be okay means. It's going to be okay means I'll get through this. I will get through this. How, what, when, where, what will my life look like on the other end of this? I'm not sure about that. But one thing I do know, this is not the end of the road for me. A need to constantly reinforce within ourselves a sense of positive thinking. You know, Rabbi Tversky, Zechat Tzadik Livracha, wrote, I forgot in, in which of his books, but he told the story. I, I, I've definitely mentioned this in Pashurim, that he was one time at a psychiatric conference, not for patients, for, for, for physicians. I see, he was one time at a psychiatric conference, and he's sitting across the table from this world-renowned psychiatrist. And they're in the middle of a presentation, and he sees this world-renowned psychiatrist is going like this with his mouth. Jerry Tversky writes in chest, he's like, here, I, it looked like the, uh, the patients escaped from the asylum. Here, this is right. What, what is this guy doing? So he goes over to this world-renowned physician and says, excuse me, can I just ask you, what are you doing? And listen to the Chachma. This man, Jerry Tversky said, you know, I've come to find in life, there are many moments where I don't feel like smiling. But I've come to learn that if I manipulate the corners of my mouth enough in an upward motion, the smile sticks. The truth is, we have that concept also of that sometimes if you want to influence how you feel, you do that by engaging in concrete actions. You see, we think that how what I do is based on how I feel. And that's not really true. It's how I feel in life is based on what I do, how I act. My actions inform the way that I live. And so sometimes in life, Davin HaMelech tells us, you just have to keep saying over and over to yourself, it's going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. This is difficult. This is overwhelming, but this is not the last stop on my life journey. Do I have the answers? Do I know what's going to happen? Do I know how things are going to play out? No, I don't have any of that information. But all I know is this is not the end. And that's what David Amal teaches us. Because you see this, it's so incredible. This one little pasuk of optimism. I know. I'm going to come to your mikdash. I'm going to come to your home. I'm going to be close to you. I'm going to be in love with you. Life is going to be great. That pasuk is embedded right in the middle of this capital. Because a sense of optimism, a sense of hope, is what we need to hold on to, reinforce, and articulate. And articulate, even in times of incredible stress. You know, I would just say as an aside, I've often felt that this is also an incredibly important piece in Chinuch, in the way we raise our children. One of the most important things that children see from their parents is how to deal with stressful situations. Because life is filled with stress. Life is filled with challenges. Life is filled with difficulty. So what do children see when they're stressed in a home, which, which is inevitable? Does everybody go into panic mode? Does, does everybody begin to break down? Does everyone act as if the sky is falling? Or is there someone, or hopefully more than one person, who's able to be calm, cool, and collected? Steady the ship. Va'ani barov avo it's going to be okay. It might be a little bit difficult for the next little while. It might be a little bit turbulent for the next little while. But some way, somehow, we will come out of this okay. That's Rashi. The Al-Sheikh in number three says something startling. Startling. You know, when I, when I started this series of Tehillim and Torah, I thought, oh, it's a nice idea to tie Tehillim to the parsha. And then I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Tehillim doesn't tie to the parsha. Except, Baruch Hashem, incredible siyat of Dishma, it's only the second week of this year. But, but look, look at what happened here. And it's, it's in, it's in your schos of all of you here tonight. Look at this. The Alshech writes, Look at the Alshech. Ki hine yesh midas chesed liavram. 
amazed. Now, says the Alshech. Remember who we introduced to in this week's parsha, parsha Slach Lecha. Avram Avinu comes onto the scene. So says the Alshech something amazing. And I, David HaMelech says, Barov Chastecha, with an abundance of your chesed, says the Alshech, whose chesed are we referring to? Or what type of chesed are we referring to? The chesed of Avram Avinu. The chesed of Avram Avinu. Okay, that's beautiful, wonderful, great. Check, we did the Parsha Italian, incredible. But what does that mean? What does that mean? What does the chesed of Avram Avinu have to do with this particular Pasuk? And how does it fit with the particular capital of, of Parakei. So in order to answer this, in order to answer this, so, so just, I'm sorry, to frame this just a little bit more, what the al essentially is saying is as follows. means as follows. According to the al In order for me, me, David, or any of us, to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we must be armed with the chesed of Avraham. It is the chesed of Avraham Avinu which allows us ultimately to come in direct contact, to come in close contact, to come into, you know, th- there's another piece over here that David HaMalach often refers to in Sefer Tehillim, which is an intimate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You, you know, sometimes, I've mentioned this also many times before, the greatest challenge in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, greatest challenge, it's not sin, it's that almost all of us have commitment issues. We all have commitment issues. You know, we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, essentially, I love you so much. You're fantastic. But you know what? I'm not ready to settle down. Maybe we should see other people. Right? I'd like to see what else is out there. Now, it sounds strange when you say it, but we have absolute commitment issues with the Rebono Shalom. That's the problem. It's hard to settle down with God. Even though I know you're my Vashert. I, I know there's only one God for me. I know I love you more than I could ever describe. I know how you love me more than I could ever understand. But I just have commitment issues. I just, I, there are some people that are always just looking for the next best thing. I, I just, David HaMalach, when he describes your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So as a result of that, very often what happens is we end up having a platonic relationship with Hashem. We're friends. We're friends, good friends, close friends. But there's not a sense of spiritual intimacy. What Davin HaMelech describes in Sefer Tehillim, and if, even if you look, David HaMelech is saying, Baruch, I don't just want to be friends. I don't want it to be platonic. I want there to be an intensity. I want there to be a passion. I want there to be an excitement. How do you do that? Says the al the only way to cultivate a meaningful, loving, passionate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is if you come with the chesed of Avraham. So we're going to try to explore is what does that mean? What, what does that mean? The chesed of Avraham paves the way for a meaningful relationship with Hashem. So let's go on a little bit of a detour. To Parshas HaShavua, to Parshas Lech Lecha. So we open up this week's parasha with an incredible pasach. If you take a look at number four, V'ayom HaShem Avram, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha me'artzecha u'mimoladetcha me'besavicha. Leave your land, your birthplace, the land of your father, and go to the land that I will show you. And who then goes on to tell Avram Avinu all of the incredible brachos that will be waiting for him when he goes ahead and seizes this awesome mission to leave everything he has known and to venture into the unknown. Asks the Rabbeinu Bechaye in number five. A simple question. The Rabbeinu Bechayi says, this story does not follow the normal biblical paradigm. Why not? Says Rabbeinu Bechayi, Says Rabbeinu Bechayi something amazing. If you look at the stories in Tanakh of great people, there's never, there's always an introduction, right? There's always an introduction. Just to give you a simple example, right? The first thing, right? It's not the Peshat that Parshas Noach opens up. Vayomer Hashem al Noach, God told Noach, build a Teva. No, how does Parshas Noach start? Eila told us Noach, these are the generations of Noach. 
Noach was a tzaddik, a tam, all, all of the description. Give me an intro. Give me an intro to the person, and then you could tell me the story. And that's how it works with virtually all of the personalities in Tanakh. In Chumash, we'll call it. Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Remember again, we're introduced to Moshe Rabbeinu when? When? When he's in utero. Right? We're introduced to Moshe Rabbeinu when Yochavit is pregnant with him. Right? We're even told the whole story. Amr and Yochavit separated. They got back together. So we, 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 the whole story leading up to Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. We hear about what happened to him on the Nile. About where all these things, all these things, in order to set the table, to set the stage for who this man is going to become. Asked Rabbeinu Machai such an amazing question. Why is there no introduction to Avram? There's no introduction. Right? It's, remember, the only introduction we have to Avram Avinu, ultimately, again, is a genealogy at the end of Parashas Noach. Right? In last week's parasha, we learned that Avram had a father, Nachar. Nachar decides to leave Orkastim with his family. But there's nothing told to us about Avram Avinu. And the first thing we hear about Avram Avinu is that Hashem says to him, Lech Lecha. So who, who is this? And what makes him so special? You see, the reason why the Torah gives us background information on our great personalities is because the Torah itself is a study in greatness. It is fascinating to contemplate what makes great people great. What makes great people unique? What are the qualities which create these incredibly overwhelming personalities? By Ba'am Avinu, no intro. So look at number six. So we're going to pause that question for just a moment and come back to it. The Ma'arva Shemesh, Rav Klonimus Kamen Alevi Epstein, you can see his, his biography over here, born in 1751, died in 1823, he was the Talmud of the Noam Ali Melech, Ramel Melech of Lezhensk. See, he writes here something absolutely beautiful. He quotes a magnificent Medrash. And the Medrash writes as follows. The Medrash Rabbah Parshalam, that's Amar Levi. Kishahaya Avram Avinu Alava Shalom, Holich Ba'aram Narayim. Avram Avinu, remember again, Avram Avinu was a seeker. Right? He, was just, he was just a man searching for something. He did not even know what it was that he was searching for, but he knew that he was searching for something. So what happens? Aram Avinu is walking around, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out the world. He comes to Aram Naharayim. Now Aram Naharayim, again, is his birthplace. And what does he see people doing? Partying. They're partying. Pochzim, they're acting in a frivolous way. Ochlin, Vishosin, they're eating and drinking. A very hedonistic society. Amar, Halavai, Lo Yelichelek Ba'aretz Azos. Says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, I don't want any portion in this land. I don't, I don't want any Chelek in this. So what happened? Watch, the Medrash goes on number six, second line, middle of the line. Kevin Shegelu Salam Ashal Tsar. When he comes to the heights of Tzur, so Tzur represents the mountains surrounding Eretz Yisrael. So the imagery, if you could imagine, is Avram Binu now has ventured right to the border of Eretz Yisrael. He's looking down from the mountains into Israel, into Eretz Yisrael. Watch this. Vera Osam, third line number six. Vera Osam, Oskim, Benichosh Bishas Hanichosh, Veodrin Bishas Haidor. And what does he see? He sees people weeding. Weeding, it's not a metaphor. Weeding, literally pulling the weeds out of the ground. And he sees them, Idur is hoeing or tilling the soil. So he sees them weeding slash hoeing, tilling the soil. Amr Halavai, Yi Elichelek Ba'aretz Azos. says, Halavai, I should have a portion in this land. And Baruch Hu says to him, in fact, this is your land. This will be the land that I will give your offspring. Ad kan l'shono. This is the end of the Medrash. See the contrast? He walks by Ram Narayim. Everybody's having a great time. Everybody's having a great time. It's a party. They're eating. They're drinking. They're doing all of this great stuff. Avram says, I want no part in this. He comes to Sulamo Shaltzor, the mountains surrounding Eretz Yisrael. He looks down. He sees again the people weeding, hoeing, tilling. He says, oh, this is my land. This is what I want. So the Ma'ar Vashemesh says, HaMedrash Hazeh Omer Darshuni. So the Ma'ar Vashemesh says, this Medrash says, Darshuni. Explain me. V'chi mitnei shera osan oskim benichosh u 
Omer halavayi elichelik ba'aretz hazos. So the Medrash says, how do you understand this? Armavinu was so taken with the weeding and the hoeing of the land that he decides that this is the place I want to live in. What's the pshat? Now the Ba'or Vashemesh asks a second question. And he says, the truth is, even in the agricultural cycle, is the order correct? Is the order correct? Really not. Because in the agricultural cycle, what are you really doing first? You're tilling, hoeing, planting, and then you weed afterwards, right? Weeding comes when you remove the excess growth. You don't start with weeding. Weeding is done already after. So the order is a little bit messed up because Avinu says he saw them weeding and tilling. It should have been tilling and then weeding. And the Ma'ar Bashemesh says something absolutely amazing. He says, what does weeding represent? What does weeding represent? What does weeding represent? It represents removing the stuff you don't want. But it's more than removing the stuff you don't want. It's removing the stuff that is detrimental to the things you need to grow or you want to grow. You see, there are two aspects to, in my extensive weeding experience, right? So, you know, they're, they're, you don't have to laugh so hard, right? My hands aren't that soft. Right? So, so in, in, in weeding, right, you could remove weeds for one of two reasons. Either because of the aesthetic, right? It doesn't look nice. So you want to go ahead and make it look nicer. That's one possibility. Or the other possibility is the problem with weeds is that they'll go ahead and they'll take out the nutrients from the soil. They'll take out the nutrients. From, thank you, Gabby. They'll, they'll, thank, they'll take out the nutrients from the soil and they'll deprive the plants of the nutrients they need in order to grow. Says the Ma'ar Vashemesh, Avram Avinu sees people weeding and he says, this is the land for me. Because you know what the secret to successful living is? Finding the koach to weed. Finding the koach to identify the things that should not be there in my life. Finding the things that should not be there in my persona. Finding the things that are sapping my vitality and taking away from my ability to engage in profound, dynamic growth. And we all have weeds. We all have weeds. Sometimes we have the needs, weeds of negative midos, negative character traits. Sometimes we have the weeds of negative behaviors. Sometimes we have the weeds of negative dispositions. But we all have weeds. Sometimes we have the weeds of past baggage. We spoke about this a little bit last, last year. We have past baggage, failed dreams, trauma, all different kinds of things, all different kinds of weeds that pop up in our garden of life. So you could do one of two things with weeds. You could leave them there, garden around it, right? Garden around it, but you run into two problems. Number one, your garden looks terrible. Number two, the things you really want to grow will be stymied and stifled. Bless you. Life, therefore, is about the ability to identify the weeds. What are the things that are holding me back? What are the things that are sapping my strength? What are the things that are sucking up the nutrients of my neshama, of my life, and preventing those very same life nutrients from going to the things that I want to nurture, that I want to grow? And after you identify those weeds, do you have the courage to pull them out and to discard them? Because you know, even in the world of weeds, in the wide world of weeds, right, there are some weeds, all they need is a little pull and they come out clean. There are other weeds where you have to get down on your hands and knees and start digging. And then there are other weeds where you might even need a little bit of a hand shovel. And there might be other weeds where you might even need someone else's help. There are all kinds of weeds in the garden of life. But the part, part one of successful living is A, do you have the koach? Do you have the strength to identify what the weeds are? Because sometimes, you know what happens with weeds if you leave them in the garden long enough? 
they begin to look like plants, right? Do you ever have a part of your yard that you just neglect? And sometimes these weeds could grow so big, they look like a bush, it's so pretty. No, it's not so pretty, it's a weed. It's a weed. But sometimes you leave it there long enough and it becomes part of the landscaping. And once it becomes part of the landscaping, it becomes very difficult to go ahead and uproot it. But says the Ma'ar Vashemesh, step one in successful living is remove the weeds from your garden. Identify the things that are sapping you of your strength. Identify the things that are sapping you of your vitality. You know, Shlomo HaMelech says something so beautiful. Shlomo HaMelech says the phrase, V'haser es milibecha. Remove the anger from your heart. Remove the anger from your heart. And the Rambam writes in Hilchos Deos, he says that in general in life, a person is supposed to have a composite, right? A balance of all midos in life. But the Rambam says there are certain midos, certain character traits that are so destructive, so destructive, that you really should eliminate them in totality from your life. And he gives an example of a destructive midah that a person should really eradicate. And he says, what's an example of that? Kas, anger. Anger is so destructive. The Gemara calls anger like an all-consuming fire. The Gemara says that a person who gets angry is like worshiping idolatry. Because when you get angry, you just, we, we know this because we've all experienced this, you lose control. You just lose control. And the most dangerous thing in life is lose control. So the Rambam says, the Rambam says, so what do you do if you have a bad temper? What do you do if you have a bad temper? What do you do if you have a short fuse? So what's the profound Maimodian approach to dealing with a bad temper? What does the Rambam say? Stop getting angry. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Right? If a therapist would tell you that, you'd say, thank you. Could I have a refund? Right? You know, you know stop, stop getting angry. But the Rambam is teaching us such incredible godless, which is sometimes in life, it's just about pulling out the weeds. Sometimes in life, it's just about stopping. So, yeah, you ever have something, you're, just using the Rambam's example, that you're really angry about? You're really, maybe you're angry at someone, or maybe you're angry at something. And you ever have that moment where you decide, you know what? I'm not going to be angry anymore. I'm just not going to be angry. Not because the person deserves my forgiveness or not because the situation has been resolved. I'm just making a decision not to be angry anymore. And if you've ever had a moment like that, it's like liberation. You feel like a ton, has, like a, literally a one ton weight has just been lifted from your heart. That's the feeling of weeding. When you identify the things that are sitting on your soul, and you identify the things that are sitting on your heart, and you identify the things that are keeping you from becoming the best version of yourself, and you pluck that out of your personalistic soil, that is the first step towards accomplishment. So says the Ma'ar Vashemesh, Avram Avinu sees the people of Eretz Yisrael, the first thing he happens to see is that they're weeding. He says, oh, this is the land for me. And now we understand the order also. Even on the agricultural cycle, you would normally go ahead and put planting or tilling, tilling or hoeing at, before weeding in the farming, in the agriculture of life. It doesn't work that way. You see, the act of tilling or hoeing the soil is in order to allow something to grow. On a personal level, if you want something to grow in your personalistic soil, you can't start with tilling your soil. But rather, what do you have to do? You have to first weed. Weeding is the first step. And this is so incredibly important. Because I think failure to accept this premise is why many of us end up spinning our wheels in life. If you're like me, when you come to Chodesh Elul, there is at first an incredible overwhelming feeling of sadness that sets in. Why? Because I find myself doing tshuva for the same things. For the same things. And the things that I said I was going to change last year, I still haven't changed. And the tweaks that I was going to make in my life, I still have not made. And you begin to wonder to yourself, why is that? Why, why is that? It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because I don't care. So why am I still dealing with the same stuff year after year after year? And it's interesting because I think often when we, we, th- when we think about tshuva, when we think about tshuva, we, what's the part of tshuva we love? Everybody loves one part of tshuva, which is taking stuff on, right? People love taking stuff on. Oh, this year I'm going to say Sefer Tehillim three times before 11 a.m., right? Like this, like this, this year I'm going to take this, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take that. 
And that's very nice to take stuff on. Taking stuff on is like plowing your soil. The problem is you could plow and you could plow and you could plow. And you could put the right seeds in there and you could water it 15 times a day. But if there's weeds everywhere, then it doesn't matter what you plant. Because either A, it's not going to grow. And even if it does grow, the growth is going to be stunted. You see, we like the tilling and we like the planting. We like the positive parts of personalistic change because they're beautiful, because they're exciting. And yes, they are wonderful. And we hate weeding. We hate weeding. And it's totally understandable because no one likes to confront their weeds. And no one likes to confront the things that are broken and the things that are wrong and the things that are sapping the vitality from my life. But unless I find the koach to do that, and unless I go ahead and find the courage to confront and then to pull out the weeds, all the hoeing and all the tilling and all the planting in the world won't make a difference. Says the Ma'ar Vashemesh. That's what Avram Avinu saw in Eretz Yisrael. He saw them weeding, he saw them hoeing. And he said, ah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving me a message for life. I need to take care of my weeds in order to be able to plant something beautiful. Now, it's not a topic for tonight. You're probably thinking, Avram Avinu, what weeds did Avram Avinu have in his life? Avram Avinu was a great man, but he was a human being. Torah tells us all about the stories about of our, of our Ovos and Imos to highlight their greatness and to highlight their humanity because without their humanity, they're not role models for us. Avram Avinu had his weeds. You know what his weeds were? Avram Avinu's weeds? His weed? One weed was his relationship with his father. Avram Avinu had a very, very, very complicated relationship with his father. Remember again, Rashi tells us at the end of Parashas Noah, the famous Medrash, the famous Medrash, where Avram Avinu, right, Terach was a, Terach was a wholesaler, an, an idol wholesaler. And he went, you know the story, one time left Avram Avinu in charge of the idol store, Avram Avinu already was on his path of monotheism, and what happened? He smashed all of the idols, Terach comes back, Terach says, what happened? Avram makes up a story, the idols got into a fight, the big idols smashed the small idols, it wasn't my fault, I was just sitting here scared. And his father said, that's ridiculous, they're just pieces of stone, to which Avram Avinu says, exactly, so why do you worship them? What's the next part of the story? What's the, see this, everybody ends this, what's the, what's the end of the story? Avram, Terach, Avram's father, brings him to Nimrod for judgment. And Nimrod condemns Avram Avinu to death by casting him in a fiery furnace. Avram Avinu is cast in, he's saved. That story occurs before the end of Parshas Noah. After that story, Terach decides to move his family to some undisclosed location with Avram. Whatever issues you have with your parent, chances are they didn't throw you into a fiery furnace. Right? Avram Avinu has a father who threw him into a fiery furnace. Not, not, not directly, but indirectly. And Avram Avinu tries to repair that relationship with this father. And then Avram Avinu is told by Kodesh Baruch Hu to leave that father when the father is an elderly man. See, when you read the Pesukim, it looks like Terach died before Avram left. But Rashi points out that's not the case. That's not the case. Terach was alive when Avram went on the mission of Lech Lecha. Avram left behind an old, frail, aging father. Avram Avinu has, this is a weed. What do I do with this relationship? How, how, do, how do I cultivate this relationship? What do I do with it? Which, by the way, just as an aside, helps us understand why Avram Avinu was so reticent to send away Yishmael. Even when Yishmael is doing all the wrong things, Avram's like, no. No, no, I'm not sending him away. I, I know what it's like to have a fractured relationship with a father. I'm not, I'm not letting Yishmael do that. It's only when HaKadosh Baruch Hu intervenes. And Hashem says to Avram, Call Asher Tomar Eilech Asara Shema Bekola. If whatever Sarah tells you to do, you have to do. Okay, so what are you going to do? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you should listen to your wife anyway. But if HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells you to listen to your wife, Allah has come of a common, there's nothing more to talk about. So he has to send him away. Avram Avinu has his weeds also. What do I do with that relationship with my father? How do, I, how do I reconcile that? 
how do I, I reconcile? Now, I don't know how Adam Avinu reconciled with his father. Or, well, he didn't reconcile with his father. I don't know how he reconciled regarding his father. I don't know how he dealt with that weed. But all I know, says the Ma'ar Vashemesh, is that he had to deal with it. So however he dealt with it, and where does he get this message? He gets this message. He gets this message. Standing on the mountains, looking into Eretz Yisrael. And it just happens to be that he sees people, he sees people weeding and planting, weeding and planting. And he understands that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to see that. Because what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was whispering into his ear is, Dear Avram, if you want to be the man you are capable of becoming, if you want to plant the field of personalistic accomplishment, you better start weeding. And let me show you what happens when you start weeding. If you take a look at number seven, the Sasemes. So remember again, we, the Rabbeinu Bechai asked the question, the Rabbeinu Bechai asked the question about why is there no introduction to Avram? Which, which is, which is a, a really wonderful question. Why is there no introduction to Avram? There's an introduction to Moshe. There's an introduction to everyone. Why is there no introduction to Avram? So look what the Svas Emes says something absolutely mind-blowing. The Sassana says, he says, Rabbanik Kodesh, middle of the first line, Nira, Kize Atzmo Hashavach, Sheshama Zeha Ma'amar Lech Lecha, Sheneemar Mehashem Yisparach Lechol Ha'anoshim Tamid, Kemoshekasa Vaili Inu Dishinsa, Omemela Nikarakadiris. Listen to this, I'll tell you this outside. The Sassana says something that is mind blowing. He says, Do you know why there's no introduction, why there's no introduction to Avram? Get ready for this. Because God didn't choose Avraham. Rather, it was Avraham who chose God. What do I mean by that? The Sassamist quotes the Zohar. And the Zohar says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was calling out, Lech Lecha, Lech Lecha. And he was waiting for someone to answer the call of Lech Lecha. You see, we all think that Lech Lecha was a targeted call to Avraham. But the Svasem is called Zohar that says, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was looking for someone, was looking for someone. And the Shiloh, the question just was, who is going to answer the call? And who knows how long HaKadosh Baruch Hu was calling out Lech Lecha? Who knows how many people heard the Lech Lecha, but said, not now. By the way, you know where else the Zohar says this? Where else the Zohar says this? By the burning bush, by the sneh. The Zohar writes, the bush was on fire for years. For years. But you know what happened? People would pass by the bush, and what would they say? Hmm, that's interesting. Late for carpool, right? Oh, that's interesting, you know, got an appointment, right? Because more often than not, we don't have time for anything, for anything, even for God, right? Even for God talking to me. Moshe Benin was the first person who said, wow, that's strange. Asura na ve'er'es hamarahazos. Let me go see what that's about. A bush that's on fire and it's not consumed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't, didn't, didn't ignite the bush for Moshe Rabbeinu. The bush was on fire. It was Moshe Rabbeinu who made the conscious decision to see what's going on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't choose Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was the one who chose to listen to Lech Lecha. God is looking for a guy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking for the man. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking for someone to be the father of the multitude of nations who is going to answer the call. And there were many before Avram who heard the voice, but for whatever the reason, never answered the call. Avram Avinu was, so therefore says this Svasemes, answering the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar number five, do you know why there's no introduction? Introductions are given to people who are chosen by God. Moshe Rabbeinu was chosen. And the proof to that is there are miracles surrounding every part of his life from his birth. He was chosen. So we're introduced. Avram was not chosen. Avraham chose HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's the connection? Because here's what happens when you weed. See, when you begin to pull out the weeds in life, suddenly again, there's a lot more bandwidth to see the messages of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You see, when you pull out the weeds of life and there's a lot more available soil, suddenly you begin to see things, you begin to hear things, you begin to learn things about yourself and about life that you were never able to do 
when your personalistic field was filled with weeds. It is only a man who chooses to pull the weeds out of his personal garden who could go ahead and hear the call of Lech Lecha. And there's one more piece, and then we'll tie it all together. If you take a look at number eight, Rabbi Nachman says something truly beautiful. Rabbi Nachman writes, he says, Lech Lecha, all the Mepharshim pick up on this, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have just said, the Pasuk could have just said, Vayomer Hashem al-Avram, Lech, Lech, Me'artzicha, leave your land, leave your land, leave your father's land, leave your birthplace, and go where I need you to go. What do you mean, Lech Lecha, go for you? Sarashi explains, Lecha means, Litovascha ulanascha. God was telling Avram, go, and this journey will be beneficial for you. But look what Rabbi Nachman writes, and this is so beautiful. V'zeu lech lecha, lecha daika. Shekol hiluchacha, unesiyascha, yihye lecha, ve'elecha levad, hainu le'etzem nekudas ha'emes, shazeh ikarcha v'chiyuscha. Says Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, everyone thinks that the journey of Lech Lecha was the journey from Aram Naharaim to Eretz Kinan. But it's not true. That's the geographic journey. But there was another journey. Where did HaKadosh Baruch want Avram to go? Lech, where? Lecha, to yourself. Go find the real you. Go find really who you are. Go find your true personality. Go find your true essence. Like Rabbi Nachman says, Nekudas Ha'emes. Le'etzem Nekudas Ha'emes. Find your personalistic truth. Find out who you are. You know, isn't it interesting that so many of us go through life and we don't really know who we are. We don't really know who we are. You know, I know what I do for a living. I know who I am in relationship to other people, right? I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. But if you ask me like who I am in my essence, you know, you know where often you see this very often when people retire and like they're totally lost, totally lost. I think it happens much more by men than by women, right? Totally lost, like no idea what to do with themselves. That's indicative of the fact that I don't really know who I am. The entirety of my essence was defined by what I did for a living, which, which there's nothing wrong with, of course, defining part of yourself by what you do for a living. But who am I in my essence? Who am I? What's my personality? What's my nekuda sa'emes? And says Rabbi Nachman, that was the journey of Lech Lecha. The journey of Lech Lecha was Chashbaruch telling Avram, I need you to engage in a journey of self-exploration. I need you to find who you are and what you are, because right now in Aram Na'arayim, you're not you, or you don't know who the real you is. You know who you are because people knew you growing up. You know who you are as the son of Terach. You know who you are as the husband of Sarah or Yiska, Sarai or Yiska. But who are you? Who are you? And so if you bring all three of these ideas together, what you begin to see is something absolutely amazing. If you find the courage to weed... And if you find the courage to identify the things that are sapping your personalistic vitality, if you find the things that are consuming your energy for not good reasons, if you find the things that are holding you back from self-actualizing, and you find the courage to yank them out of your personalistic soil, here's what happens. Number one, you begin to see the incredible opportunities in life that are all around you. Just like Avram Avinu hears Lech Lecha. Number two, you begin to discover who you really are. And number three, you could begin to plant your personalistic soil and accomplish great things in life. But without weeding, without weeding, you can't hear lech lecha. Without weeding, you can't really discover who you are. And without weeding, you can't really plant sustainable sustainable crops of personalistic growth. And now we tie this back to Tehillim. So remember again, what did David HaMelech say? Back, back to Sefer Tehillim now. So remember again, the al Now we're going to come back to the al right? What did the al say in number three? David HaMelech says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I am going to forge a beautiful and meaningful relationship with you through Chesed. Says the al which Chesed? The Chesed of Avram. So I, I want to tell you something amazing. When we think about the chesed of Avraham, 
Right? So how do we think about the chesed of Avram? We always look at his chesed as the chesed Avram Avinu did for others. Right? Avram Avinu was the consummate bal chesed. A tent that was open on all four sides. Right? Machnis, Archim, everybody. Monotheists, idolaters, everyone had a spot in the tent of Avram Avinu. But perhaps what the Al-Sheikh is saying is as follows. That before Avram Avinu ever did chesed for anyone else, you know what his first act of chesed was? His first act of chesed wasn't for someone else. It was for himself. The first, right, you have to, if you're, gonna, if you're not able to be kind to yourself, you can't be kind to other people. The first act of chesed that Avram Avinu does is nothing for anyone else. The first act of chesed is the one he committed for himself. What was his first act of personalistic chesed? It was the weeding. That was the chesed that Avraham did for himself. Getting rid of the stuff that is holding me back. Identifying the weeds that are crippling my growth. Pulling out the things that are sapping me of my life of vitality. So I can hear lech lecha. So I can go ahead and find the true me that I could plant. So perhaps that's what the al means. David HaMelech says, Vani. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. If I want a meaningful relationship with you, the only way to get there is with the chesed of Avram. But not the chesed that Avram did for everyone else. The chesed that Avram did for himself. That first act of self-chesed, of self-care, which was the act of removing the weeds. You could only come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You could only forge a meaningful relationship with the Ribbon Shal Olam if you find the chesed of Avram, the self-chesed, the reflexive chesed, the personalistic chesed of removing the weeds in life. And this is the message that David HaMelech gives us, literally right smack in the middle of this capital. There's enemies in the beginning of the capital. There's enemies at the end of the capital. There's turbulence in the beginning, turbulence in the end. Difficulty beginning, difficulty end. And right here in the middle, David Amal says, you know what? I've come to realize I really can't control what goes on around me. I can't control how people are going to talk to me. I can't control how people are going to treat me. I can't control how people are going to react to me. I can't control how people are going to interact with me. I can't control any of those things, which for David HaMelech caused him immense pain. But the one thing in life, there's more than one thing, but for tonight, the one thing in life I can control is what my personal garden looks like. Am I going to be the person who has overgrown grass weeds everywhere, but pretends that the lawn is perfectly manicured because I just don't want to deal with the weeds of existence? Or will I find the courage to acknowledge that there are weeds, to identify what they are, and then find the koach to pluck them out of my personalistic soil? And if we could rise to that occasion, if we could summon that strength, then Avraham Avinu teaches us, we will see the world in a different way, we will see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a different way and we'll see ourselves in a different way as well. We'll stop over here for tonight. In Merit Hashem, we will continue next week. I'm going to pick up a little bit further on in Sefer Tilim. Hopefully, we're going to pick up with Kapitel 68 unless I find something else very good in Kapitel Hey, But in Merit Hashem, either way, it'll be Sefer Tilim and the parasha next week in Merit Hashem. Have a wonderful evening.